Hello, good morning and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by AMS Media. I'm your host, Harry Simiu. As ever, we are live. Uh, sorry that we're a bit later than initially advertised. Uh, couldn't be helped, unfortunately. The, the truth is I slept in um, when you've got a little one in the house who decides to wake up at will during the middle of the night. You've got to make the most of your beauty sleep enough got a really long busy day ahead of me um so i figured it would be more beneficial in the long run to have an extra half an hour in bed so i do apologize for that thank you all uh, for tuning in and a big hello to those of you who will be of course watching or listening to this back later on now on this edition of the podcast i'm going to be focusing on Mikel arteta and the tactical adjustments that i believe he has made in order to make arsenal a more competitive side um when he was appointed i wasn't sure if it was the right decision Apologies, I've got hay fever too. I should have mentioned that at the start. So you may hear me sneezing from time to time. Anyway, as I was saying, Mikel Arteta was appointed. I wasn't 100% sure that it was the right decision. And you might ask why, and I probably would reply to that by saying a lack of experience, um, partly that and partly the size of the task that he had uh, in front of him. Arsenal had fallen a long way Um not just under Unai Emery, but in Arsene Wenger's last year as well. Arsenal had really, really gone backwards, had really regressed. And I felt like this was the kind of job where, given what had happened with Unai Emery, it needed a, a really experienced head to come in, steady the ship and try and get Arsenal turning back around in the right direction. And like a massive cruise ship, it takes time to turn it around, doesn't it? And I wasn't sure if somebody... Uh, with so little experience or with no experience as a, a number one was the right option for this. It was a bit of a gamble. Um, but right from his very press conference, I was engaged and I brought into the man. And and I think that is something that I never felt during Unai Emery's tenure at all. Um, apart from the odd game here and there where Arsenal performed really well, Arsenal went to the Europa League final. Um, there were some impressive performances in that competition along the way, um, etc., but I never really bought into to Unai Emery as a person, as a character. I think a lot of that comes down to the language barrier. Um, I think that his inability to communicate, and this is not a dig at Unai Emery for not being able to speak excellent English because I couldn't speak Spanish. I mean, if I was to go to Spain and and, uh, and take a managerial job, I'd probably end up like David Moyes, you know, un, dos, tres, four, uh, whatever he said, I can't remember what that famous line was. But the point being, it wasn't Unai Emery's fault, but I never felt that he was getting his message across. And whether that should have been done by a, a translator or whatever, or maybe one of his senior players, uh, the likes of Hector Bellerin or Nacho Monreal even, who, of course, spoke Spanish. I don't know. I think that that's something that Unai Emery will probably look back on and regret a little bit as well. Because if you can't communicate... Um, it, it does become difficult to get the buy-in of everybody. Arsenal are unbeaten in the Premier League since December. Um, of course, that defeat, I think it was against Chelsea. Yep, the one where we made a couple of mistakes uh, right at the back in the December was Arsenal's last defeat in the Premier League. So there's no doubt about the fact that Arsenal have become more competitive under Mikel Arteta. Still picking up too many draws for my liking and I'm sure for Mikel Arteta's liking. But in terms of Arsenal being more stubborn, more resilient. He's certainly on the right path. And I think when he came here, the, the, the best thing about it was that he didn't 
come here being naive and thinking we're going to come here and yes, we've got some attacking talent. You know, we've got Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe. What a front three that is. Mesa, Ozil and behind them. He didn't come here and be naive enough to think that he would just be able to blow teams away because Arsenal are not at that level at the minute. You know, Arsenal are very susceptible. Arsenal are very vulnerable. And I think one of the most encouraging things was in the first few months, he acknowledged those shortcomings. Um, and he made the tactical tweaks, which I'm going to go into, to address those areas. So let's talk about the first point um, on my list. And again, if I'm sneezing, if I'm coughing, I have to apologise. But hay fever is really getting the better of me at the moment. And it's first thing in the morning, which doesn't help as well. Um, let's talk about the transition. Now, Arsenal have been susceptible to the transition, the counter-attack, whatever you want to call it, for years. Years and years and years and years. And there's still a lot of work to be done in this area. But I think it's an area in which we've improved dramatically under the Spaniards' leadership. Now, I'm going to share uh, my screen with you guys as well um, so you can see what I'm doing. Here you go. Now, I've just pulled up an Arsenal 11. Um, and I know some people are going to complain about the players that are in the 11. But it's just to demonstrate a, a tactical point. So for those of you listening via the audio, I've gone with Leno in goal. Uh, back four of Saka, Marie, David Luiz, Bellerin, Xhaka, Torreira, Ozil just in front of them, Aubameyang, Pepe and Lacazette are the front three. Now, if you are listening on the audio, I do urge you to come over to YouTube because with the visuals, you'll probably get a better understanding of what it is I'm trying to say. Otherwise, I may sound like I'm talking nonsense, although I will do my best uh, to try and fill up those gaps. So let's talk about the transition. Now, the transition has always been a real problem for Arsenal. We've always found ourselves in a situation where the fullbacks um, would bomb on like this uh, to join in with attacks. The two of the midfield players would go. Um, and then you'd find yourself in a situation where, and more often than not, it was Granit Xhaka. He'd be found in the, around the centre circle um, completely on his own with both his fullbacks, either side, having pushed on in advance of him. And he'd be in a position where he'd be having to cover the entire width of the pitch, which for a player of Xhaka's mobility is impossible. For any player, it's a difficult task. But with someone of Xhaka's mobility, it becomes impossible. And then what you have is you have a situation where your centre-backs are stuck because they kind of need to spread apart to, to fill up the the wider areas, because they can't just allow wingers to come bombing down those flanks. And ultimately, what that does, to cut a long story short, is it creates gaps and holes and spaces all over the pitch uh, that can be easily exposed. That was a problem under Unai Emery. It was also a problem under Arsene Wenger. So I don't want people to think that this is me still witch-hunting Unai Emery, because I'm over it. He's gone. Thank God, but he's gone. Now, what Mikel Arteta's team do very differently is this, and I'm going to explain it again using the, the, the visuals on the screen. So uh, I'll bear with me again if you're listening via the audio. I'll do my best to explain it. But if I put everybody back in uh, formation, so it's almost a four, two, one, three, or whatever you want to call it nowadays. Um, what Mikel Arteta's do, team do differently is this. When Bukayo Saka goes, which he does every time he plays, because that is Bukayo Saka's strength, I think that Mikel Arteta has identified that he can't have both flanks operating in the same way. He's understood that by pushing both fullbacks on all of the time, it leaves Arsenal really, really exposed. And what you'll often see now is you'll see Lucas Torreira, if he is, of course, the one of the midfield players, stepping forward into that midfield, 
you'll see Pablo Marie, uh, one of the centre-backs, shifting over, closing in the gap with David Lewis. Bellerin a little more conservative, but Granit Xhaka drops into this almost left-back slash left-defensive midfield position. And what that means is when Arsenal do lose the ball, they've still got four players back at all times. The distance for Torreira to get back is not huge. Um, and if Granit Xhaka does feel that he needs to step back into the midfield to engage with someone, then Bellerin can tuck in and all of a sudden Arsenal have a back three. And with a back three, it's far easier to cover the width of your penalty area than it is with two players. So, in my opinion, Mikel Arteta has identified that as a real problem. And he's been a lot more conservative with the wing backs and the full backs, whatever you want to call them. A lot of people have commented on the fact that Hector Bellerin isn't as adventurous as he once was since he's come back. And they're right to talk about fitness issues with Hector Bellerin. He was out for an awful long time. But for me, this is a deliberate ploy. Mikel Arteta has identified that in the final third, if it is Bukayo Saka playing on the left, he is far more dangerous in those positions. Why? Because he's a winger by nature. He is a winger. He's a forward player. And so it makes more sense to have him bombing on than it does to have Hector Bellerin. I think that Saka's final delivery is much more um, concise and you've seen that reflected in his assist uh, statistics. So I think that, that that is the right choice. I also think by asking Granit Xhaka to slot into that role alongside the two centre-backs, you're leaving him far less exposed than he would have been with two central defenders behind him. Now they're playing in a line when Arsenal don't have possession, and now it's far easier to mitigate risks that are opposed, uh, that are created sorry, by the opponents. Now, if we just get them back into formation again, another element that I want to touch on, we're going to pull Bukayo Saka right back, is the use of the half spaces. Now, um, those of you who, who uh, follow us over at Total Football Analysis, who have been tuning into our commentaries, of the Bundesliga of late. Well, I've heard this term a lot and I knew what the term meant prior to joining these guys, but I didn't realise how much of a big thing this was in the modern game. I probably noticed it subconsciously, but to put an actual label on it has made me really open my eyes and see a different side of the game and understand uh, a, a lot more of, of what goes on in modern football. So a massive thank you to those guys over there for helping me and, and don't forget, you can head over uh, to Total Football Analysis's live coverage of the Bundesliga this weekend. Um, two games back-to-back -back on Saturday for you via the Hot Mic app. Come over there, download it with the promo code TFA2020 and be sure to join us. We'll also be bringing you Premier League coverage, which includes uh, some Arsenal games as well over the next few months. So you'll be able to join me and one of their brilliant analysts for commentary on that moving forward. Now... In terms of the half spaces, I think where it's abundantly evident in Arsenal's team is, is, is in two areas. And the first one is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's position, which it tends to be at the moment out on this left-hand side. Now, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is a striker by nature. He's Arsenal's top goal scorer. He's Arsenal's captain. He's Arsenal's talisman. He's Arsenal's everything at the moment. He's so, so crucial and important to this team. So having Aubameyang... Uh, and getting the most out of him is imperative. And, and using those half spaces is allowing Arsenal to do that. Now, what I mean by half spaces, for those who don't know, is traditionally, you probably see a pitch divided into three thirds. You know, the, the attacking third, the midfield third and the defensive third. But this is a different way of splitting the pitch. And if you head over to the Total Football Analysis's EPL podcast this week, 
you will get a, a more uh, advanced explanation on that. So please do head over there as well. Now, the pitch is, if you can see my cursor on the screen, I'm splitting the pitch vertically, not horizontally. So you've got the middle, you've got the right-hand side, and you've got the left-hand side. And the, the space in between, almost the full-back and the centre-back, that is the half space. And Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has been so key in exposing that. Um, and that's where he gets the majority of his goals from. So you'll see Aubameyang drifting from a starting position of wide in here, getting closer to Alexander Lacazette and often uh, popping up in between the centre-back and the full-back, which makes it really difficult for you to pick him up because whose responsibility is he? Does he belong to the right-back? Does he belong to the left-back? Uh, to the centre-back, sorry. It's so, so difficult to pick a player up that does that all the time. But what Arsenal have also done is pushed Bukayo Saka up this flank and then that makes a, a real problem now for the fullback because he can't just allow Bukayo Saka the freedom of the of the flank to pick out passes at will into the middle of the box. But equally, he's got to pass a Bamiang on to the centre-back who's already got to deal with Alexander Lacazette. So Arsenal are creating an overload by exposing those half spaces. And what that does is it makes things really, really difficult for the opponent. And as we've seen in, uh, in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's case, he gets a hell of a lot of his goals from this position. And it's something that Arsenal are doing time and time and time again. But for, in order to make the use of those half spaces and to make that effective, the fullback has to be pushing on or whoever has to be pushing on to create that overload. If they're not taking away the fullback, then the half space, in my opinion, becomes a little bit redundant because you can get into that space, but then you've got two players to deal with and it's not so effective. So that model and that style and that way of exposing and creating the overload on your opponent is key, um, but it's only key and it only works if Bukayo Saka or whoever's playing in that position bobs on. And to be fair, Serge Kolasinac does that pretty well as well. Maybe he doesn't have the end product that Bukayo Saka does in those positions, but he does make those runs. And it's clear that at the moment, Mikel Arteta doesn't believe that Arsenal can do the same thing on both sides without being exposed. He's clearly decided to go one way or the other. If the right-hand side do it, the left-hand side can't. If the left-hand side do it, the right-hand side can't. And that is the difference, one of the key differences between Unai Emery's Arsenal and Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, Unai Emery's Arsenal, despite being a little bit negative at times, in my opinion, were always adamant on pushing both fullbacks forward. They were our key to unlocking teams. It was always about getting the fullback to the byline, cutting the ball back, and it became predictable. These half spaces that we're talking about here, whether it's Pepe or Aubameyang, and we've seen Pepe step inside and use that left foot of his, are so key. But again, only works if the rest of the team follows up the movements. Now, while we're on the topic of half spaces, I want to talk about another player and the people are going to maybe switch off now because I know a lot of you don't like this player and he's coming for a lot of criticism, but that's Mesut Ozil. And he operates those half spaces extremely well. If we go back into formation, you'll see what I mean. When Unai Emery took charge of Arsenal, it was a very common theme to see the goalkeeper or the centre-backs play the ball into the feet of Xhaka or Torreira in a defensive midfield position facing their own goal and they were forced to try and either turn and play or play it straight back to their centre-back who would then have to look up and find that next pass, that next phase 
into the midfield. And often that's where it broke down for Arsenal. And when it breaks down in that area, you often find yourself in real danger because you cannot simply afford to lose the ball on the edge of your penalty area. Now, what Mesut Ozil does really well is this, and he, he can only do this because he's been given that freedom because the rest of the formation is a lot more rigid. And what he does is he pulls into those half spaces from time to time. You see him pulling out to the right here into that half space. And what that does is it creates an angle again in between the opponent's midfielders. This time it's not in between the fullback and the centre-back necessarily. It's in between the midfield. And what that does is that means he can pick up the ball in these areas. And one game, if you look back at, at in particular where he'd done this really, really well, was the game at Stamford Bridge, the 2-2 draw against Chelsea. And Frank Lampard even mentioned it after the game. Mesut Ozil was dropping into positions like this, in the half space on the right, in the half space of the left, to receive the ball from Xhaka or Torreira, or even from the fullbacks. And what that does is it just gives that extra option. And him having that freedom of movement to do that and pop up in those positions means Arsenal retain the ball a lot better. And we have retained the ball a lot better with him doing that. There's no question about that. You can make lots of arguments about Mesut Ozil and that he doesn't do enough of this and he doesn't do enough of that. But he's clearly offered Arsenal something in this sense. And Mikel Arteta recognises that. And that's why he keeps getting in the team. So fair play. Um, but again, it's just a, a good use of the half spaces. And, you know, this is something that Pep Guardiola is massive on. This is something that Mikel Arteta would have picked up over the years of working with Pep. So it's great to see, um, you know, that, that benefit in the team and that coming to fruition. And I think it's benefited a lot of players who are losing the ball less in the midfield because now, as well as Aubameyang on the left, as well as Pepe on the right, as well as the fullbacks, the centre-backs, they have that extra option in a mess at Ozil, rather than trying to always go straight into the front man, who's, who's Lacazette in this case, who will no doubt have the attentions of maybe two, sometimes even three central defenders, making it really, really difficult. Another element, um, and I've spoken about the half spaces, spoken about the fullbacks, I've spoken about Granite Xhaka's role, but another element that I want to talk about uh, is the, I guess, the the willingness to change it up a little bit and mix it up a little bit. Now, often again with Unai Emery, and I keep going back to Unai Emery because he was the latest manager. Um, Bird Leno would find himself in a position where he's been asked to play the ball out to his centre-backs, to his left-back, to his right-back. And the problem with that, again, was it was leaving us really, really um, exposed all the time. If you lose possession in those areas, it's so dangerous. And you could tell there was an insistence on it because... We were doing it even when it was clearly not the right thing to do. What Mikel Arteta has done again is he's 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 given Berlino that license to be a little to go a little longer, and that's really important. Now, again, what you'll see is that the use of the half space again, and you'll see Aubameyang maybe drift inside. You'll see Saka push out onto that left flank. Um, the the defense shift over a little bit for a, a goal kick, and you'll see. Xhaka almost being a little bit more alert, whether it's Xhaka or Torreira, it doesn't really matter, but the defence become a little bit narrower and you can go out to that left flank towards Bukayo Saka, knowing that if he doesn't receive the ball and you lose the ball, then you've still got the players back to cope with it. And sometimes it might be Saka on this side, sometimes it might be Bellerin, and then you'll see the defence shift over this way. Okay, but what that does is it gives Arsenal the option to go that little bit longer. There's still a target. It's not an aimless hoof up the pitch. You're still looking for someone, but you've got that protection in order. You've got that 
mitigation in place if the ball doesn't reach its destination, which often happens when you go long. That, that That's a risk. It's a risk that you take in football. So I think Arsenal have become a lot more streetwise. Arsenal have become a lot more um, organised in the way they defend. And I think that you're seeing that even though I think we can all agree that Arsenal could do with signing a higher calibre of defender, I don't think there's any question about that. I think you can all see that if you make tactical tweaks and tactical adjustments, you can get more out of these players. And one of my biggest gripes with Unai Emery was always that he wasn't getting the most out of this group. And I understand that there were shortcomings in the team. And I think everybody realised that. Everybody understood that he didn't necessarily get huge finance to, to do what he wanted, etc. But this is proof that in the space of what? He came in at the end of December, towards the end of December. I think the 20, I think it was around Boxing Day, he was hired, Mikel Arteta. Um January, February, March, and we haven't played a game since March. So you've seen that in these in the, in that short period of time, three months, um, you know, Arsenal have improved. The problem with this, and it's not a problem, I guess it's a, a, an area for improvement and somewhere that we still need to improve on, is, is in the attacking phase. I feel like Arsenal have lost a little bit of their creative spark. Maybe we've lost um, that little bit of, uh, I guess... I don't want to say creativity because we still got creative players there, but I guess by not allowing that extra overload at times, it's it's difficult to sometimes break teams down. But that's that's part and parcel of it. You know, you want to be more defensively sound. Something has to give going the other way. And I think in time, Mikel Arteta will hopefully find that balance and will be as free flowing as we were in the final third at times under previous management but also we'll still be that little bit more streetwise. We'll still be that little bit more uh, aware of the counter-attack and a little bit more um, prepared for the transition. Freddie Lundberg spoke about the transition when he took over as well. So it was obviously something that everybody had identified as a problem, apart from Unai Emery, of course. Um, but, you know, you, you're seeing that people are creating options for each other. The, the, the thing is a whole lot more fluid, and that's so, so important. Uh, the reason I've put Pablo Marie in this team um, and you're probably wondering why um, I've done that is because for me, Mikel Arteta has always been quite clear that he wanted a left footed centre back. And I think in Pablo Marie, you're seeing the benefit of that. Now, I know he's not played a lot of games and whatever, but I think when you're looking to play the ball out from the back and you want to constantly have options, having a left footed centre back is huge. When Marie receives the ball, he can now look out to the left hand side because he, he has that extra time. When he's being put under pressure, if he receives the ball from the goalkeeper or his, his right centre-back, he's got that extra bit of time to let the ball run across his body so he can pick out and identify an option further up the pitch and then he can execute that pass with his stronger foot. When you're a right-footed centre-back receiving the ball in that left centre-back position, you have, to, you have to play inside, don't you? You almost have to because that is where your stronger foot is. You don't want to risk giving a loose pass with your weaker foot. So you're almost playing the ball inside into the danger area where you're most likely to be pressed. So having that ability to now let the ball run across his body and play the ball out to the flank relieves the danger a lot of the time. But equally, he can reverse the pass back inside. So there's a whole host of options that open up for Pablo Marie when he receives the ball that a right-footed centre-back doesn't necessarily have. So that's another thing and, and another key point uh, to Mikel Arteta's side. And I think that's why you're going to see Pablo Marie play a lot more. 
So there we go. Um, that's a rundown of some of the tactical uh, adjustments that I believe Mikel Arteta has made since taking over the job. Um, I think we're on the right path. I think we're on the right track. I think we're going to need to be very, very patient. Um, we know that financially things aren't going to be easy and we know that there are still a lot of players in that squad that are simply not good enough for the Arsenal and that we need to eventually uh, ship out. Um, I want to say a massive hello to everyone who's watching us live at the moment. It's an early morning stream. We don't usually do that. Um, so good morning to you all. Morning to Omar. Uh, morning to Harry. Uh, morning to Opurum, who comments on the uh, um, the midfield thing. Uh, absolutely spot on about the difficulty of our midfielders finding space and Ozil does it so well. Thank you very much, my friend. Uh, Graham Sutherland, uh, big hello to you, my friend. That's great, Harry, he says. Um, a FIFA uh, 2000 says, we need a Cam who can score more goals. I like Ozil, but he doesn't score enough. I agree. Um, I think in the long term, Mesut Ozil will be replaced. Um, but I And I also think that in the long term, we probably won't play um, in this system under Mikel Arteta. I don't think we'll have the number 10. I think you'll see a more fluid midfield three eventually. I think that's what he wants to get to. But I think given the personnel he's got at the moment and the fact that only one player seems to be capable of appearing in those pockets of space, then, you know, it is going to be this way until we can uh, get the recruitment done that we feel is necessary. Uh, I Slim says spot on. Morning, morning to you, mate. And a big hello to Russ Morgan, who's also tuned in to us. Uh, a big hello to those of you watching it back later on as well. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Like, share, review, comment. You know the drill by now. Uh, this is our third show of the week. We're well and truly back. Three shows a week. Um, coming to you uh, from the Chronicles of Aguna once again, just like we were doing pre-COVID-19. Uh, so uh, thank you for your continued support. If you are listening via the audio, I do encourage you to check it out on YouTube because the visuals might help you uh, understand what I'm blabbing on about a little bit more. Until next time, take care of yourselves, stay safe and up the Arsenal.